1: Uh, One of the, the greatest to do it out there. Somebody that I really look up to. I'm uh, overjoyed every time she's able to be on this show. You know her from her insanely good podcast, Reality Life with Kate Casey, but you might not know she is also now doing live shows. She has a show coming up next week, February 28th at the Irvine Improv at 8 p.m., which we'll find out all about. You just saw her on The Housewife and the Hustler Part 2 As one of the talking heads, Uh, we'll talk Vanderpump rules. Love is blind. We'll see where this conversation goes. Uh, The fabulous Kate Casey. Welcome back.
2: First of all, I'm laughing because last time I saw you, I was a a little inebriated. Okay. Folks, I, I
1: mentioned this on, I think, Monday or Tuesday's <laughs> show. We got to present at the Watch What Crappens Golden Crappy Awards, and Kate was unlike I've ever seen her before. She was on fire. Is this the kind of energy we can expect from the live shows? You were well, on fire. Take us through how we got to that point of presenting at the Golden Crappies for you that day.
2: So it was like Saturday at like nine. I was folding laundry by 2.30. I was at a frat party at Loyola Marymount, and- is that a normal I, Saturday for you? <laughs> I was like, well, at first I pre-gamed at my niece's uh, house. <laughs> I'm like the weird aunt that loves to go to all the parties, and they're like, Aunt Katie's here." Um, and I like, I was like, "I'm blowing this taco stand and leaving my house." So I left my whole family and I went to uh, pre-game at <laughs> Sydney's house.
1: Did you tell them
2: you were leaving, or were they like, "Where's mom?" No, no, no. Like I look forward to the okay. weekend. Like I'm a loser. <laughs> and then I just had like. I pre-gamed, I had 4.5 tequila shots. Then I get to the (laughs) frat party.
1: Wait, wait, wait. How do we do a... So are you like Tom Schwartz where you only do half shots now? Like four...
2: How did you... No, it's because we we were like, we got to go. Because we were like, we got to go. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) Then I had like more shots. And then I I was carrying around... I'm going to post that tonight. I carrying around a bottle of like Prosecco (laughs) from Trader Joe's. The whole party. (laughs) And guess who I run into? Heather Dubrow. Because her son is in the frat with my niece's best friend. So I was like, you can't even make this up. Then I went to dinner at the polo lounge and then I went to the crappies. Wait, by you? The time I, I, I thought you there, came was directly from it. the
1: party. You went to the polo lounge before no, the made awards a pit
2: stop. Oh yeah. And then I had a margarita there. I forgot about oh that. Oh my God.
1: So you guys, this is very unlike Kate. Like I I bumped, like, so we we're in the audience. Kate didn't, like, I got there at seven. She got there later. And so I was like going out to go to the bathroom, but then I saw Kate in the, <laughs> and then there, it was like time all, then they're like, oh no, you got to present now. And as we were walking by, I, I was like, oh wow, Kate is fired up. And you Brian, were like.
2: Be- I-, I went backstage before that. And I had the most nonsensical conversation with Sheena Shea. She's probably like, who is that lunatic? And abs- I was bananas. And <laughs> hey, then we you ever drink at the
1: polo lounge, Sheena? You ever, no, you I was ever like, do a
2: frat party? I've got kids. You should come on my show and talk about it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the person to talk. To. I mean, I sounded crazy. And then we went out <laughs> to stage. And then you and I had said, wouldn't it be funny if, because one of the nominees was um, games, yeah. And you're like, oh, we should it, bring it up. You brought a bag with the merce, like Merce's yeah. ashes. And then I said, yeah. well, let's play a game. Here's an idea. I've got one. Who do you secretly despise as a housewife? Let me go first. And then I volunteered <laughs> Vicky Gummelson and Alexis Bellino. Alexis Bellino. Were you not well, surprised that, that I did that? I, I Well, I
1: was very surprised about the whole because every conversation we have is. It's because it's a fucker. No, no, it's great, but I've never – like. well, Kate, I also want to – you're leaving out the part where you were like, who wants to drink with me after the show? Oh, I
2: did say that. I forgot that you part. You were
1: like – and every – and by the way, that was the crowd to do it with because they were all fired up, so you fired <laughs> them up, and then you went out with like, I don't like Vicky and Alexis Bellino, and that was, that was amazing as well, but I was uh, – I was in a state, No, I, oh my God. Are you kidding I, me? Embarrassed? No, I was more just in a state of shock because I had never seen you that lit up before. Like you were, you, it was oh, like I'm a, a good time. wrestling. Oh no, yeah. Good you're time. like, you, you're like Heather gay. You're a good time gal at these things. I'm a good
2: time gal. People would not believe that. And I don't know why, but I mean, I, as I said on stage, I am an Irish girl. And so, I know how to. I know how to take it up a notch. So is, please wait, is invite ch- me to things.
1: Is there a chance? And let me just throw this. I don't. I hate to be conspiratorial. Is there a chance you were dead ass sober? You were just trying on a new character. You no. Were like I will no, make them no. believe that I am completely lit. By the way, but I said to Kate. I said this is going to be a great moment that people will talk about. And it, true to f- that, people have talked about that moment. It's a great moment.
2: Okay. Well, I hope so but, because. But it's also, a though, bit
1: I, mortifying. I, I go, I walk out with her and your family or whoever were there. My sister and my niece, yeah. Your sister and your niece. I meet them and they were awesome. The, but the funny thing was, you're like, the, the, you guys leave. You're like, hey, who wants a drink with me after the show? And then you blew well, that You know why?
2: Stand. I'm the worst with Irish goodbyes. Because I didn't want to overstate my welcome. I yeah. thought if people left and they were like, oh, she's here. They'd be like, why are you still here? That's why.
1: No, God, they would have. Loved it, but I, but directly after the show, I left as well. Like I was like, I'm not, go. gonna, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a Kate Casey. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to completely get wasted. Bad things will happen. So I got <laughs> out of there, but it was really, I mean, that was magical to me. Will we be seeing you do shots on stage at Kate? Anytime. Casey
2: time Sure. Absolutely. No, but at your live
1: show next Wednesday. I should,
2: a- I will. I I really should. Now that I think well, what, about it, I will.
1: Well, I mean, I think they're expecting it now at this point.
2: Well, they sh- Okay. Well, it's going to, it's well, a done deal.
1: Wait, what, are, what what should we expect from a Kate Casey live show? And how do we get tickets before we get into Vanderpump? Uh,
2: the Irvine Improv or the Improv website, it's a little bit of like a background on like why I beca- I'm so obsessed with people. Because as you know, I watch a prodigious amount of like reality shows, documentaries. I've got like an insane superior recall for details about people. And I say it really begins with my own family. And I kind of go into the backstory. And the net net is... My parents were separated by the time I was born. My mom married a con artist, and I have learned over the last few years after being reunited with my estranged father, that he is either a con artist or was a spy in Ireland in the 1980s. And it's been this whole process of unraveling that is hilarious and frightening at the same time. Um, I've talked to numerous people. I've done sent away for government documents. I've interviewed my mother. Um, why isn't this a documentary full form instead w- of just a podcast? I would like to make it into a documentary, honestly. And you know what it, what, what precipitated it was? Uh, I was alone one night and my husband was out of town and the kids were all asleep and I was looking for something to watch on Netflix. And I come across this documentary <laughs> and it was called The Miami Sound Murders. And it was like a Miami band people murdered. I was like, this is right up my up my yeah. alley. And so I'm watching it. I'm like, this sounds way too familiar to me. So there was a paramilitary group who pulled um, this band over in Ireland in 1975. Once they crossed the Northern Ireland border, they're basically the Beatles of Ireland. So they get out of their van, they make them stand on the side of the road and they shot at them and half of them died. And the ones that survived have been on this relentless pursuit to find out who was involved and they found out that the government was partly involved. It was kind of like set up as a, a warning to people, like t- don't come over the Northern Ireland line. And for yeah. th- those of you who are unfamiliar, the troubles really has to do with political fighting between Northern Ireland and um, and the Republic of Ireland, it's Protestants versus Catholics, predominantly in the 70s and the 80s. So anyway, I'm watching this. I'm like, this is so familiar. So I'm alone in my house <laughs> and I Google – the name of the paramilitary group and my dad, and there is a picture of my dad with the leader.
1: Wait, wait. So you wait, but why did so? It just felt familiar when you were watching this. I feel like I, this feel like I know
2: this story. I'm like, I know this group. I know it. I feel like I know. I've heard this before. Because my mom would always be like very cagey about like your father's just an oddball. Like then I start unpacking this whole story. And I, now that I've like interviewed her, like when I go through the story, people are going to be like, you got to be kidding me. Like, um, you know, my mom said when they went on their honeymoon that halfway through the honeymoon, they were in Ireland, by the way, he sent her home. She's like, you have to go home. And he stayed. He spent an enormous amount of time during their marriage, traveling to the UK, Yugoslavia, and of course to Ireland, very secretive about his plans, I ended up interviewing my dad about people he met. Some of the friends that he was very tight with and spent a lot of time with are now in the course of history, like very questionable folks. I asked wow. him what he was doing. He kept asking me, are you recording this conversation? <laughs> oh my gosh. At one point, um, he said at one point, like he had married uh, my mother because she was an I- like, she was an Irish girl. Irish descent. Yeah. And then later on, I said, well, you disappeared for years and years. Didn't you just kind of like drive past my house to, just to like check if I was okay. And he said, well, no, because you guys were Americans. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, but you're an American. Now I should also note my father, whose name is William Paul, my m- mom and everybody who knew him, knew him as Paul. And he was, um, uh, an Episcopalian. Now he goes by the name Liam. And he is a Roman Catholic, and speaks with an Irish brogue. Oh wow! So why would someone do that? That's like somebody going from like a like a Trump to like a Bernie Sanders. Well, this is the real, This were, is reality you're, life
1: with Kate Casey. This well, is well, that's reality the whole life irony right here. Like,
2: I've been fascinated by people, namely my family, for so long, and I feel like I've been sitting on a documentary the whole time. I mean truly is a documentary. Wait, when when did this take when did you figure when did you watch this documentary? How long ago now? I think it was maybe 3 years ago. Now, okay, this here's another crazy wild. thing. I'm at Trader Joe's in Costa Mesa, California. This is like right before Thanksgiving. And I'm, I, I'm one of those people where I, 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 my family would tell you, like, don't get me in conversation. Cause I'll never, you'll never walk away. Like once you start talking to me, I want to know everything about you. And I get locked into conversations to the detriment of people who need to go somewhere that are with me. <laughs> so I'm in the line uh, and the guy is an Irish accent. And I should also note that even though I wasn't raised with my father, my, fa- both of my sides of my family are, um, the ancestry is Irish, but also my closest friend growing up that I spent an enormous amount of time with was from Ireland. His family escaped Ireland to escape the troubles. And, I uh, that's the irony too, is that I spent all my free time at his house. So my, my cultural references are very Irish already. So, um, anyway, I'm in, I'm in the, the aisle and he's ringing me up and he's an Irish accent and he's like, Oh, how's your day going? I said, uh, you know, it's busy. I got a lot of kids. So it's always busy. How many kids do you have? Five. Oh, I'm one of six. And I'm like killing myself all the whole time. I'm like, don't get into conversation. Don't get it. Don't, <laughs> don't, 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 don't. And he said, uh, you know, I, and then I asked, well, wh- where's your hometown? He said, I'm from, um, this s- town. And I, and he said, have you ever been there? I said, no, my, f- but my family's from Ireland. Where are they from? They're from, uh, uh, uh Dublin and, um, County Tyrone. And he said, Oh, my family's from right in between there. And I'm like, Oh my God, what are the chances? What are the chances? So then I basically said, You know what? I, I said I was busy. I have this podcast and I've been tracking my dad's story. And I kind of think he may have been involved in the troubles in a bad way. <laughs> You're and telling this, this to This is why he's cashier. ringing me up. Yeah. Perfect. And then he goes, um, He's like, Wow, that's crazy. He goes, What's the name of your show? And he's looking like, 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 Interesting, interesting. And, um, and then all of a sudden I go, Are you familiar with the Miami Sound murders? And he goes, Of course I am what are the chances? Right. (laughs) I said, well, and then I said, I was watching this documentary and it was familiar. And I look up and I found a picture of my dad with the, um, with the leader and he's like silent for a minute. And he kind of pushes my card around and he said, you know, one of the members lives here. And I went, what? (laughs) And he said, he sings at my church every third Thursday of the month. And he takes out a piece of paper and he writes um, the name, St. Saint, Con- uh, Saint Cornor- Cornelius, Roman Catholic Church, Long Beach, third Thursday every month, 3 to 6. Dennis Mur- uh, Murray, which is the, the man's name, and then he writes his name, John McKigney in the corner, and he passes the paper to me, and he goes, call him, he'll talk to you. And it's Whoa. been like that. It's been like a series of things where I uncover one thing, and then it leads to another, and then it leads to another, and it's just been... Crazy. But in the meantime, my dad, who's been estranged to me the whole time, suddenly has this renewed interest in me, especially because he's probably not doing well with his health. But also, like, I'm married with kids and he probably wants some sort of, like, connection to that. But suddenly he's obsessed with talking to me and wants to tell me things. And that also is, like, weird to unpack, too, because, you know, I basically was abandoned by him. So I think there's a uh, a petty part of me that I've realized this too. He calls me a lot and I don't answer. And I feel like I'm petty because I'm like, this is payback for all the times I cried myself to sleep waiting for you to call. I'm going to let you know what that feels like now. Isn't that
1: terrible? Well, what's terrible is that I'm listening to this whole story, picturing this documentary. That's what's terrible <laughs> is that I'm like sitting here going, this would be amazing. And then she's at the Trader Joe's. Like, and by the way, we watch oh, so many documentaries guy. now that I can picture this entirely. That like It's like Tom Sandoval well, talking about the- in the New York Times article about how he thinks of everything as a reality show now.
2: Which is sad, I know. Well, the guy at Trader Joe's too, I said, well, do you know who Andy Tyree is? Because that's the the man that my dad was in the picture. And he, well, then he goes... Oh yeah, he was head of the butcher boys. They used to slit the th- the throats. Oh, of the, the butcher of Catholics. boys,
1: yeah.
2: I was like, oh, okay.
1: Hey Kate, why don't you be safe? Are we safe where you're? On? I mean, like, listen, like, be, let's let, maybe let's not go too much deeper into this.
2: That's I cra- know, that's but wild. I mean, but I gotta.
1: Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green. shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer, and I gotta tell you, the quality is great, because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quinc slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad.
0: When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant focused diet. or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Hey, my mom, God bless, God
2: bless, God bless, but is a dingling Because at one point she says to me, like she goes, well, when we were dating, I always thought it was weird that he would have me, uh, drop him off a couple blocks from his apartment. And I'm like, he was probably being followed. And she's like, oh, yeah, maybe. Then she said, well, do you remember that? Because I asked her, did you ever think we were in danger? And she said, well, remember that time when you were four when the SWAT team showed up? (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) And she was pregnant with my younger sister. (laughs) And a SWAT team showed up. And were screaming at her with rifles, like demanding to know or whatever guns, like demanding to know. And she said, I didn't recognize the name. And I just had my hands up. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. My name's Suzanne. And uh, she said that they said, oh, sorry, wrong house. And they got in the cars and left. I was like, what? Wait, what does your husband think of all of this? Well, he thinks it's crazy because he met my dad. And my dad, when I met with him, this was like, I was pregnant with Jack. So this is like 10 years ago. My sister finds him when we reconnect. And I go to New Jersey. No, first I go to Philly and meet him. And he... By the way, we pull up to his apartment complex and my, our father, who is totally estranged from us, we have not seen in decades, jumps in the back of my sister's car. And he's like, cause I'm in the front seat. He's like, Hey, like, Hey, what's going on? As if we had just picked him up from soccer practice. Like, Oh, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? He introduces me to his girlfriend. She is like, Oh, I only thought he had one daughter, meaning my older sister. Now, my mom always told me, well, he didn't really think you were his because you don't look like him because he's dark hair and darker skin and darker eyes and you obviously don't. So I held out hope for my entire childhood that (laughs) That maybe he he wasn't my dad. And so... (laughs) When I met with him the first time, I tried to get the straw to get a DNA sample, but oh he kept this, the paper <laughs> on the top of the straw. Oh my and I was, God. Like, I was like, are you sure my dad, you're my dad? And he was totally offended. He was like, how could you say that? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I haven't seen you for decades.
1: By yeah. like, how could you say that after he's behaved how he's behaved? You can say whatever you want. Like he's just got to take but it. Yeah. That's ridiculous.
2: Well, the, um, oh, he didn't know my middle name. My, my, his girlfriend at the time was like, so what's your middle name? And I went to say Suzanne, which is my mother's name. And he goes, Marie. I went, it's not Marie. It's Suzanne. He goes, well, I don't know. That's what your mother told me. Like he doesn't, he didn't know anything about me.
0: Wow. But what
2: I'm fascinating because a lot of people that have listened to the story. And if you want to go back to my podcast episodes and listen to the beginning, it's episode six, three, one. Some, a lot of people who um, uh, kind of listen to the story, they're like, maybe he's on the spectrum. I don't think it is that. I honestly think that when he was a military police officer, and as I explained to this Irish filmmaker that I spoke to, I said, I think he was compromised when he went off to war because he had, needed a sense of identity in his father's family's eyes. And he goes, Katie wasn't compromised, he was radicalized.
0: Wow. And I thought,
2: Wow.
1: Well, this is this is way better than the housewife and the hustler. This is this is what <laughs> well, I mean, I'm this the housewife,
2: is, and my yeah, dad's the hustler. The hustler, yeah. exactly.
1: Part yeah. three. Well, listen, I was going to talk about the trauma of Vanderpump Rules, but we 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 delved into the, your trauma. So anyway, which yeah, is a great that, entrance that, point. Uh, you, that, you
2: get the whole story and more okay, and more. So, and more. Uh, yeah. I
1: mean, amazing. Uh, I don't even like. Listen, I was. Uh, I now it's like feels well, really like. Well, of course, but it feels innocuous now to ask you about Vanderpump rules last night when we're dealing well, with like say espionage potentially and being compromised and radicalized and all of those well, things. I kind
2: of feel like I've studied people from the beginning because I was always trying to figure out my family. Like they're just bizarre people and make it makes sense to me. Like why why am I stuck with these this Motley crew and how do they operate? And I became very good at studying people. And my mom's uh, husband that she married after my dad was a con artist who believed he, who, excuse me, he told people that he was a Korean war vet. So I feel like I'm very good at sizing people up and studying their behaviors. Like I could tell you Monica was a charlatan, like way in the beginning and her mom, From real like houses, I, I would have known. City. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't believe anything they're saying. So I've studied Tom Sandoval for years and years and years. And one time I interviewed him and I had to go to a karaoke bar and it's probably, you're going to say the name and I'll remember it. The Belmont. Is that it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I've been been to karaoke with Tom Sandoval at the Belmont. At the Belmont. I'm not surprised. Sunday nights at the Belmont was uh, one of the big nights at the Belmont for karaoke. And he, I have video of Tom Sandoval singing like a journey song or something oh, from way without, back in the I day.
2: It, I believe way it. back. Yeah. But he had me meet him at like 1230 on a Tuesday. It was just a little weird. <laughs> and when I interviewed him, he talked quite a bit about dark matter. So <laughs> when they, Wait, dark, dark matter, the science topic, right? The science topic. And I was like, where am I? What's going on? And I was pregnant at the time and I needed to urinate so bad. And I was like, what's happening to my life? So was it what, six years ago. Is this probably around? Yes, yeah, because Caroline's yeah. five. Yeah, so I thought he's lost his marbles. But now reading that New York Times article, I think that he's someone that really believes he's worthy of statues, <laughs> um, novels, uh, documentaries. He Coloring lives books. In, in like a parallel universe, which is very similar to some of the housewives. To be honest, well, that's what but I'm that's saying. what makes of, it, him a good. Ego. Ha-
1: the, yeah. the ego is there.
2: It's un real. So when you read through that article and you go through it, like number one, he's got a publicist who does crisis PR who's 23 years old, which well, you know, okay, I did crisis okay, okay, PR, okay. that's that crazy. Was the,
1: but that was the assistant to the PR person who then at the end of the article they made a point of she was no longer there. So this assistant was the 23 year old, but I don't know why the head PR person was not there with him. Like, how do you pass this off to a 23 year old that was a fan of the show? It's unbelievable, and, it's unreal. and she seems like a fangirl. Like, she might like the reporter was having a field day, must mm-hmm. this lady must. Must have felt like she was being given a gift the entire interview
2: and that article is so beautifully written my hat's off to her arena Alexander right?
1: beautifully oh, written some of those phrasings were so and, and, was
2: on point
1: and and when she compares him to Heath Ledger's the Joker in his <laughs> ill-fitting Zara woman's blazer I just yeah. thought wow to put that visual mm-hmm. to it It almost made me sad for Tom, but it also made me sad for the concept. And you just had Alex Baskin on your podcast two weeks ago, I believe. But he actually brings up hyper reality um, as a concept. This hyper reality that they're living is that it's not just you know it's their real lives, but it it is being filmed. And then Tom Sandoval, throughout the article, what really blew me away was him talking about living experiences three times: once on the show, once when he's doing a talking head, and then once when it hits the audience and we start responding to it. And just that's like a housewife, lives, but that's how he lives his life now. And mm-hmm. you're no therapist, I'm no therapist, but what would you suggest but I like at to this think point? I am. Well, okay, then let's pretend you are. What would you suggest for Tom at this point of like maybe trying to live a normal life again and not having to to go off
2: the grid? He cannot be on television anymore. If he ever wants any hope of having any semblance of normalcy, being tethered to the real world, he has to go off. But the problem is that all of them become so addicted to fame and they position themselves in such a way that they don't have any backup plan. So like the article says you start off making minimal money and then you get to a point where you're making $35,000 an episode and you've got a mortgage and you're potentially doing licensing deals and you're you're you want to do this investment and also you get drunk off the fumes of someone telling you that they love who you are and what you do. It's very hard for people to let go of that. The problem is that as it says in the article, like he doesn't know what is his own life and that of the character Of Tom Sandoval on a television show. Not that he's playing a character. It's just that he, those lines have been blurred. There are lots of housewives. I feel like I've interviewed who I've said, I just interviewed crystal where she said, and you have interviewed her too, where she says like this show could go away tomorrow and I'll be okay. But I don't know if that's the same you could say for at least 90% of them.
1: Oh, completely. We see that all the time because then it becomes a game of trying to get back on the show. And if you're complaining about the show, why are you always trying to get back on it? Or even, you know, Freddie Mellencamp, who we talk about a lot, you know, is that she always said back when she, you know, before she got let go, she's like, If I get let go, you're not going to hear from me again. I'm not going to be affiliated with all this stuff. And then she even kind of makes this her entire personality. So there must be something so alluring to it, even with all the negativity in terms of us commenting, pointing out things. It still must be so much better than living your average humdrum life, according to these people.
2: Well, it's sort of like, you know, kids on social media, like they're a are- addicted to the stimulation of getting a like or a comment it's the same with a housewife or or a reality star in general it's they get they get so consumed by that stimulation that the only answer to that for a kid is to completely go off like social media altogether get rid of your apps yeah you're asking a housewife who probably has never felt more emboldened in their life a reality star who was a 20 year old who built their entire identity around being on a show, which basically you're being laughed at. You're asking them to completely change gears. And he's like, well, what do I do? Do I go and work at Nordstrom?
1: Yeah, well, and the and the reporter points out in that story, which was you know coming from this multimillion dollar you know modern farmhouse in Valley Village, driving over the hill in his Mercedes Benz, seeing himself on a billboard for Special Forces. No He's matter how much. That. That's what I'm saying. No matter, and Mm -hmm. and and by all the time, he's he's you know singing his woes and how down he is. But all of these things, but also it's a point you know something to point out of. Even with all these things, we can have this existential crisis of feeling so down. But also reality shows make you dive into your feelings. So he's encouraged sometimes to feel down. And I think that's what's Mm. interesting even about last night is you know, what do you think about Lisa Vanderpump? You know, it does seem like she has so much more empathy for men of she sure Vanderpump does. rules. What yep. do you think that comes from? Is that just general uh, internalized? Mis- I mean, what what is that to you?
2: I mean, I wish I if I knew her better, I could probably get a better answer. But it does so- certainly seem like as an outsider, that's true. I feel like she's far harder on women. And I always believe that it kind of you know, if you go back to someone's origin story, you can kind of understand that more. I don't know if it's the business that she's been in or her life circumstances that she was around men that she has kind of bought into the patriarchy in a way that's disappointing. I don't know, but she's far more, um, she's far less sensitive when it comes to women and their, and their, you know, their, their, their aches. I mean, I felt really bad for Lala and Sheena because I think that they came in with open hearts and they are put in a position because of filming. I don't think that they really like Lisa Vanderpump. I think that they're like begrudgingly going to film those scenes. But they went with an open heart because, you know, they're trying to explore their feelings as part of the process of filming. And they kind of had to get reamed at. And I I felt (laughs) badly for them. Like they must have been like, this guy's in our friend group. It this isn't really affecting you. I know your name's on the show, but the really show at this point is not even about you. So and they're yeah, also, well, she talks to them like they're teenagers. Oh yeah. I mean, Lisa, they're both you, mothers. this, this you is t- like t- le- Stop leading talking to them like that.
1: Oh, she was like leading the witness. She was like, come on, Sheena, use your brain. Use, you know, go with like, she's like leading the witness of like, this is how you should be. So it's Schwartz and Lisa trying to convince everybody, pulling each person one well, at a I'm time or two at a time yeah. and trying to convince them to let this person back in. And I think there's a couple, like even Schwartz in a pool scene last night to Lala, I was like, come on, he's family. Like, I guess families are what we make of, like, you know, we can have our, you know, family by blood and the, the families that we make with friends and such, but I'm sorry, you are on a reality television and you're comrades, but are you family? Like, is Lala no, no family way. with Tom Sandoval?
2: No, I mean, I don't know. If I feel like Lala has a friendship with Sheena. I don't know to the degree to the other women, like a truly deep, meaning like, I'm having a really difficult day and I need eight minutes to just like talk to somebody. I don't know. I don't, I can't imagine that. Um, I feel like the problem kind of lies in that article in the New York times article where Tom's like, it's really fun and crazy and cool to be part of this show, even though it's at my own expense. And I kind of feel like they all kind of live in that vortex. Like, yeah. I'm just gonna accept the behaviors and how wild this is and how my life will be ripped apart because you know, it's this crazy cool experience. I think the real interesting thing will be four or five years from now, when we circle back after the show is ended, because it does seem like it's gonna end soon, and ask, okay, now that you've had some distance from this, now that you're looking in the rear view window, do you really feel good about participating in a in in a season that had this storyline and then in kind of the aftermath it also seems like tom is very upset about not being able to monetize it the way that the others did
1: Well, but at the same time, he has monetized it, just not at the level. But when you have the hot potato, you're not going to. But by the way, next season, somebody else is going to have the hot potato. It's not going to be as intense as Scandalball. But Scandalball was only intense because of who Tom was and what we believed him to be. And by the way, like he's human, like mistakes happen. But the funny thing was that article, every time people start to have goodwill for this guy, he's done a previous interview that comes out that makes everybody go, oh, my God. And then what what did you think about those scenes? Cause you know, you almost feel for him of like, when am I going to have my friend group back again? I've never been the outsider. And then at the end, when Schwartz is like, listen, dude, you can come with us to Tahoe. It's a great chance to like pull people and talk to them. And he's like, well, Lala and Sheena, fought. like he immediately gets angry. So either you want to be in the friend group or you don't, but you can't then continually be angry at the people that you are sad about that supposedly kicked you out of the group. Does that make sense? Like, I don't understand well, that vacillation.
2: Yeah, but he also is upset that Raquel had not con- contacted him. And he needed closure, so he. I think he just operates in a world where he's the center of it, and I don't yeah. think he's really ever concerned with what anybody else thinks.
1: Hey, what do we? What do you think about how Raquel or the Rachel, the artist formerly mm-hmm. known as Raquel? How do you think about how she's handled it uh, by going away and actually doing, you know, what we call like the hard work? Who knows what that was? But she went away for months. And then now she's doing a podcast. Hey, she's competing with you and me, Kate. Like, what do you think about that? And is there a part of you that realizes she is definitely now in a, a better communicator than Tom Sandoval, which I never thought I would ever say?
2: Well, I haven't listened to her podcast, so first I have to say that. I always thought it was in her best interest to wait at least six months before she said anything. And I, I thought that it would be best if she maintained control of her story and I was surprised that she gave it to another podcast. And that would have included my own, by the way. I, uh, uh, you know, e- even if she, I mean, would I have loved to have that interview? Sure. But if I were in her orbit, I would have said, you should tell this on your own show or in your own book. So that was surprising. And also, the way that it wasn't her, the, the launch of her podcast was not synced up with the first episode of the show, kind of shows me that she's kind of fumbling a couple passes. I think that in the end, though, she's still consumed by the show. And the fact that the New York Times article said that she wanted a development deal, while some might be like, well, that's smart because you're going to kind of, you know, take control of your story and get it and monetize it. But it's not separate enough from the world that made this whole situation, you know, so much worse for her. So I think... If I were her crisis PR person, I would have said, go off the grid for six months. Go back to the career that you really wanted and that serves other people. Because unless you have at least six months, you don't have much clarity. Even better if you do it a year.
1: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit
3: card. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer.
2: That she still is hoping that she continued can continue to have a career in entertainment. And look, everyone's, you know, has the right to have whatever career they want. But I just think that, like I said, too many people get so much stimulation from the attention that they get as a byproduct of being a reality star. And I and I worry that Raquel is still caught up in that.
1: Yeah, I I could see that. But I I mean, I have listened to a couple of the episodes, and I will just say, when you hear Tom try to explain things, it always comes out this fumbled mess. And I would say Schwartz to a degree as well, but Schwartz is always friendlier about everything, and he's like, oh shucks. But Rachel's still not the best communicator, but she's actually kind of you know, took time to actually recognize patterns of behavior, That's but I will, that leads into like the Ariana of it all. And Tom said on last night's episode, he said, you know, it's always the person that are closest to you that hurts the most. And I'm like the ignorance of that statement. He's true. He's correct. But we're all leaving out the fact that like, yes, man, you know, you were the closest to Ariana and you hurt her. And that has set off this domino effect, but he doesn't care about
2: her. Oh no,
1: not not at all. But I'm just saying that kind of ignorance to not realize what you're saying has this weird double meaning. But when I go on Facebook, especially, and I try not to, but when I go on Facebook, you know, I I see all these uh, reality show groups, and the amount of hate that Ariana gets from fellow women. Mm -hmm. Can you explain? Do you do you see that as well? And I, I sometimes am aghast, and I'm like a doofy dude that should be like, yeah, Tom. But like, I don't get how women have been like, Oh, she's been a cold fish the entire relationship he had to do. And I'll, I'll look at the person and it's a, a,
2: a lady with a family. And that always, well, what is I, that think thought that, process? I think that Alex kind of spoke to that on my show because I asked him, Alex Baskin, he, the, asked about it, I asked him like, what, w- which, uh, which experience did you get more text messages on the day that Erica announced her divorce or scandal? And he said, by far, Scandoval because Erica and the whole Girardi lawsuit is far too complex. Scandoval is huge because it's just simple and everybody can relate to it. So that means that they were cheated on, they felt wronged by a best friend, they felt like they were ignored in a relationship. Every single point that someone makes in this conversation, somebody can relate to it in some way. And I think it the heightened emotions around Scandaval um uh, make sense to me. And like you just said, the women, maybe the woman with the family, maybe somehow her life experience. There is like some similar element to that, and also became a mainstream story. So the Jorgensen lawsuit is still kind of niche, even though there is a Hulu documentary about it. I still think it's kind of a niche story. It's not. It's not sexy. Yeah, and and it requires you to like dig through documents, (laughs) financial documents, and and (laughs) listen to an attorney and a judge (laughs) and a forensic accountant, and it just comes down to like the scandal of all like three people uh, uh, like a couple who may or may not have been in a loveless relationship who had some yeah. made some sort of agreement t- to be together in whatever terms they may be. And this outsider that seemingly like infiltrated her way into their relationship, pretended to be a best friend to the woman and was sleeping with him while doing so. I think that like that riles people up for all different ways. And yeah, it's then I a simple also premise, think, but it's it's a, sim- it's
1: a simple exactly. premise. But that but it's
2: like wow, you know. Well, I also think then you have the aftermath of it. As all reality shows happen, like as soon as a housewife becomes like a big time star, the second season there's a comedown. So it was inevitable to me that people would get angry at Ariana because maybe you were the jilted ex or, you know, maybe you felt like you were in a loveless marriage and you wanted to be with someone, whatever that may be, your life experience in romance. She seemingly has far exceeded expectations that she's ever wanted personally and professionally yeah. because of the scandal. So people who watch the timeline of events and now they're watching the show that was actually just filmed like what, three months after it all happened. Yeah. They yeah. feel exhausted. They feel fatigued by it. It's like... It's too much. And they're like, why is she still complaining when she's been on Broadway? She has all this money. She can get out but they're not living her life with her viewpoint. Well,
1: they need to put that on the screen of like, flash it every five minutes. This took place three months after Scandal. Like, it is something that I find, but I'll I'll read these things and then Tom will do an interview that makes himself look like a complete idiot. And then you could tell those people like backpedal a hair, but they're like, but she's still horrible. She's still a horrible person. Like, yeah, this guy's dumb. I
2: think everybody- that's the plight of a of a of a smart woman too, because the guy's a doofus and they make excuses like, "Well, he's just a dumb dumb." But the plight of the, the the bright woman is that, you know, she comes forward, she gives her you know her opinion. She says, "I have more worth than this." I'm and going she's to, not want crying.
1: to make... She's not. Yeah. She's not taking every episode in tears.
2: No, she's like, I refuse to let this rule my life, and I'm going to make some choices that uh, will allow me in a better position and that's of course what happens because people would resent someone, a woman who has a point of view and some, you know, some confidence, of course.
1: Yeah. Uh, A couple more questions before uh, about VPR, before we move on, you know, you did mention like, Oh, you know, it's and Alex said in that article of like, listen, we can squeeze another season out of this, which season 11, the one we're watching now, but who knows what will happen after this. Now me, you know, looking, looking at the ratings, still what they are, like, come on! The reality of this situation is they'll be able to squeeze three more horrible seasons out of this, even if mm-hmm. the ratings keep dipping. They're selling at such a high ad rate right now that even if it's horrible but for would us they next we've, season, though. But we've sat through horrible seasons of
2: Vanderpump Rules before. Like, are you? I, like, I don't think it's going to happen.
1: I think it's a hundred percent. No, I I'm bat- saying I don't
2: think the ratings are going to happen. I don't. think – No, no, no. no. Hey, it, can, it doesn't it's have gonna, to. Gonna,
1: But see, I'm saying like already, it's yeah, obviously it's going to go down. But even at the ratings where they're very low on season eight and nine, it would still be enough for Bravo to keep it on the air to say, I don't care. Make it the Peter show. Like, I don't care. We're going to keep it on as a Vanderpump rules, bring in all new people. But the thing is, I keep seeing this sentiment online. Sophie, who's always on my show, she wrote something about, you know, this is not... The 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 fun show that we used to watch and love, no. but my thing was, but but Kate, when was it ever the fun show? It was always these insanely
2: dramatic events. It just sadder you know, now but, and darker. But it's they're different. Older. It's different. There's fatigue now, and and too many people have kids. When I feel like when people have stopped me and said I love this show, it's invariably mostly men, actually and they would say i feel like i'm living vicariously through them because it it was about that period of time where you didn't have as many responsibilities so it's a little bit of a buzzkill to watch the people that you're supposed to live vicariously through at an older age who have more <laughs> responsibilities not just in business but also children and i think that people are yearning for Something, I think that's why you see Southern hospitality getting better yeah. and better and better. Impact? Because yeah, it like, speaks to you, that. you don't
1: feel bad. You don't feel bad watching them because you're like, oh, they're young. They'll, they'll like, they're well, young. It's all right to watch right. them be I, stupid.
2: I don't know if you remember this, but I did say Lala should do a show about her restaurants. It should, that should be the new show Wait, that she eats what, at that she, no, eats that, that? No, when she was restaurant? first on her on southern charm i said the what lala should be doing not lala, oh excuse me i was like lala, lala does i was, I I was like still, no i was still in like uh, vanderpump mind i said leva her show should be about her restaurants so then i talked to leva about it about what she wanted she said kate this show about my a show about my restaurants would blow vanderpump rules out of the water i said but that's what people want to watch because everybody's getting too old on Vanderpump, and I, and I'm telling you, that's why. So I think they can easily kind of slip off into the distance. I guess the problem is programming-wise, would they have something to fill in? And I don't know if they could quickly do that. So to your point, yes, it may stay on, but I just don't think people are going to care as much.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's uh, caring is actually. But you put another scandal in there. We saw, like I thought, what after scandal.
0: Well, that's I thought after Skandoval,
1: my adrenal gland, like I was like, there's no way I can feel this hyped about something. But then Salt Lake City <laughs> got so good that I was like, here we are. It has a catchphrase, timeline, receipt. Like everything yeah. was really exciting again. So it really depends on that little piece of magic. If you're there at the right time, right place to catch a good storyline and ride that wave. And that's yeah. what I get excited about Bravo because they've managed to do that a couple of times. And I feel like, wow, that's really great. Even though there's so much excellent TV on all of these streaming services now, um, the other thing—do you have a friend in your life, Kate, that looks at you the way Billy Lee looks at Tom Sandoval?
2: Not one person.
1: Oh my god, Kate! I thought it's like when I look at a Taco Bell menu; it was just all lit up. She's like, "But is she? Oh looking, my
2: god! But is she looking at him like I'm in complete adoration of you, or I just want so back on this show?
1: No, I think it's adoration. I really, I, I really, truly do. I don't. I know that's an, an unpopular decision because I think people want to believe that she's just thirsty and wants the fame. I think it's – well, I think it's a mixture of the two. Like I think she wants to be out there, but I think she truly has this hero worship of Tom Sandoval.
2: Maybe. I don't know why, but okay. Okay, and then finally,
1: DJ James Kennedy, uh, we talked about his sobriety journey, uh, even though he was pounding insanely strong THC drinks, and then we got new information that Ali actually left him for a night or a weekend, took the cats, and left and had this conversation with Lala, and he said, Lala, I'm doing it, I'm doing it for me this time, but it kind of made, it was weird because I was like, well, if she left and then you changed, wouldn't that mean you, you did it for her and you wanted her back?
2: I don't know. It's a, that sounds kind of murky. But also, I never get the sense that she's totally into him. Really? No, I don't.
1: But see, are you do you think I mean do you would you put her in that basket of a Billy Lee potentially of she just really wants the 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 I don't know if the fame of it think all think or the notoriety. That. I just
2: think it's like one of those relationships where, you know, you go out with your friends and you're talking about another couple and I'm like, I would be like she's he's way more into her than him. Or he's way more into her than she's into him. I just don't see. Jimmy
1: and Chelsea from Love is Blind. Chelsea's
2: way more into Jimmy. I just don't see the energy there. I don't, she looks like she's on an assignment. I don't know. I don't, like when they were walking in the first episode or maybe the last episode and they're in like the matching tennis outfits, walking the streets of Burbank. I just feel like she's like, (laughs) I gotta, you know, I gotta do this to get my like astrology business off the ground. I don't know. I don't see it. Um, I, I okay. feel like she would be fun to like go out with. Like, oh yeah, I don't know. I'd take her out for a couple of tequila shots and be like, okay, like, hey, hey, come with it. me you're to the crappy. The come,
1: come to me with the to the crappy awards, Allie. I'll I'll show you the I'll show you the moves. uh Have a couple tequila shots with me at the tequila. No, anyway. So,
2: but you, by the uh, way, I do want an astrology reading from her. I do it. I do want to say that. <laughs> well, let's
1: <I> hope <laughs> she doesn't listen to this, to this. Allie, Okay. So I always think, and I think you, one of your next phases of your career is shifting more into, uh, you know, being a producer, you know, making these shows yourself. So what, what Alex calls you, Mr. Baskin and says, Kate, I need you. I need you. I can't pay you much. But I need your brain. I need how spitball with me how we save this show on season twelve. What, where do we go from here? Well, what if what, I, what, somebody what do you goes?
2: Think? I can't pay you much. I go well. Like next, no. Okay, okay, okay,
1: Kate. Wait, wait. We just got a call. I can pay you much, Kate. Okay. Can, good. <laughs> how do we save the show? We money's not an object for you, Kate.
2: Um, I the show as it exists now, I don't yeah. think it can go on. I, you know, is there a question of like? Could someone else do a spin-off? I just don't think any of them are strong enough.
1: Well, the, val- the Valley's about to happen with Jax and Dodie and, and those don't guys. No,
2: how interesting. I haven't seen a screener, but I can't imagine that's going to blow my hair back. I think the, the, the hard thing is that Vanderpump Rules was so dissimilar to the other shows, which is what it made it great. It was really tapping a male and female audience. It was tapping a younger audience. And I think it may just have been lightning in a bottle. And you could try to recreate it with another restaurant or another business. You got it. You know, maybe it's like. Here's a show that I would pitch. I would pitch a show about a podcast network. <laughs> I, I would, and all, but it's it's got to be like a bar stool ish, like with a with young people okay. who are creating yeah. shows, and all the in like inter inter office drama. The personal stories of why people are creating their own personal shows, like the Vumas and the nastiness. Yes, yeah. that that to me, that's a more modern story too. I like that actually. That actually would be. Hey, pitch it. That's that's pretty good. Actually, ne- I would love to run a network. That's actually my dream job. Well,
1: but Kate, I mean, I'll like, take I,
2: over Bravo. Well, Kate, the obvious
1: question though, like, I mean, you could right now run a podcasting network if you wanted. Like, I mean, you could I would do like that. To.
2: Yeah, I would but like to. But why don't you?
1: Like, you definitely, I mean, you have so many people that, like, have started podcasts based on listening to you. I mean, you could start going like, hey, I like what you do. I like when you come on. Work, work, under my network. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So, sorry. I, I just, you're like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. But
3: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
1: Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is ending its season tonight Um, You were just on The Housewife and the Hustler This is an Erica Jane potential Mm -hmm. redemption season Even though after watching Housewife and the Hustler Part 2 I was like, maybe let's pump the brakes on a redemption season But where are you at with Beverly Hills And what do you expect out of the finale tonight?
2: I really liked the story, the exploration of what's going on in Kyle's marriage. And I think it's the but most – But did we re- really get rela- – Did we get a lot I of that I think though? it is. I actually think at a, at, a, at a very simple level, it's pretty straightforward. And I think that's why so many people are tuning in because it is pretty relatable to couples that have been married a long time. Yeah. When you have – when you first get married, people I think kind of comes up come up with the terms of their marriage – they're like, okay, you're going to do the heavy lifting when it comes to the kids and you're going to build the business. And that's okay at that time. But as the children get older, what you want changes. And I know so many women, especially because I have an older sister, she's four years older. And so I've watched it happen with people that she knows too, where your kids start leaving home for college and you're going, you know what? Like, I don't even really respect you because you didn't even help me all, all along this way. Like it was very interesting for me to hear Kyle say, I was the one running to the mall to the dental appointments and the dermatologist appointments and the, and the activities and doing the conferences. And he really wasn't there. And if you think about she did all of that on top of the fact she had her own businesses. So it was like the terms of their marriage were, you're not going to take care of the kids so you can build the business. And which obviously he did but it almost negated all of the work that she did on top of raising four children. She had clothing stores. She was producing. And, of course, she's part of a show, arguably one of the most popular cast members of any franchise, Like like very well respected in terms of, like, the Bravo hierarchy. And I wonder if he discounted all of that because he had put her in this role of, like, you're the mother, you're the caretaker, to the point where his their marriage was consumed by his needs to build his business. Or maybe, I don't know if there was adultery. It seems like they're alluding to it. But I think at a very simple level, she has centered her whole life around him and he has not done the same. And you get to a point in your life where you're looking at the other person and saying, I just want someone to be crazy about me. And I don't know if you can do that after 26 years. And I want you to
1: be able to sing country music. I don't want you to be but able to. I think to- that
2: Morgan probably <laughs> notices things about her that he doesn't. Yeah, but Kate, yeah, because it's it's new.
1: When you're it, when yeah. when it's a new relationship, you are you know you are learning those little things, and you're fascinated by those little things. Fascinated, you
2: Fascinated, know? yeah.
1: Um, did you watch the? Did you get to see the trailer for the uh the first part of the re- the the reunion, the Beverly Hills reunion, starting next I week?
2: I did. I was su- kind of surprised that they were all surprised that Kathy was there. I know. Did you Sutton say
1: Sutton like like goes Ugh, and then all of a sudden <laughs> it's shaking and they're like Sutton are you okay? Sutton are you okay? like we're killing poor Sutton when Kathy hits the stage. It's probably seems
2: had, like, like low it turns out she probably have like low blood sugar and she drank some orange juice but yeah it was well, that's gotta little, be by the way that's gotta be dramatic. a high
1: pressure situation when like you're a reality star and then you're like going into these things and not oh, knowing what's sure. gonna hit you and and well you also probably buying Beverly Hills is Mauricio's Netflix show. The second season. Let me also
2: say that. Thank you for bringing that up. I also wonder how much the reality show factored into their problems. For example, maybe he has kind of always been like, okay, but I'm building a real estate business and you're a reality star. Like see the difference. And then maybe she was like, okay, and now you're a reality star. Like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. They're all these dynamics. A little dynamics like you're, you're that, yeah. in my
1: territory now a little bit. Like, why are you yeah. wanting this? Well,
2: not just that, but all the things that come with it. Like, okay, so you used to put me down because I had to make all these arrangements to do press and to do social media. And all of a sudden that's who you are. So you put me down for it, but now I'm supposed to respect you for it. Do you not respect the fact that I was a reality star before you? that I helped really make a name for myself and a network and be like you know very respected in network like you're on Netflix and you think you're better because I'm on a, like a more niche network like there are so many layers to that that Well I and, and, wish and the we daughters
1: the daughters are main characters in his show and on Netflix his show. and by the way Netflix that was a ballsy move and kind of a sh- like Kind of like wow, they released a, uh, a clip out of *Buying Beverly Hills* season two where Mauricio has the daughters around talking about the split, and he's like, "Maybe I'll go to Aspen for, Aspen for a month." Your mom says, "I like, can date," you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was more of a conversation about it than we've gotten on *Real Housewives of Beverly Hills*. My feeling, and I thought that was really ballsy of Netflix to be like, "Oh my, look here, Bravo, we're talking about it," and it's Mauricio and the and the kids mm-hmm. having a very deep conversation about it.
2: Yeah, I know. I wonder if Alex. I don't know if Alex will tell me. Well, that's what like, I was wondering. You, I wonder what like, Alex. Are you like, frustrated? Like that's what I, I was wondering. Like Mauricio got out of, more out of it, um, but also, <sighs> I. Well,
1: you're monetizing your pain. So who can monetize it know.
2: better? Who can monetize it better? But also, he exponentially this real estate business is going to do even more with a Netflix platform. Is he like a monster? I guess that's what I'm getting to. Is he a monster now? Where he was like. I kill like I'm killing every game. Like, look at me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm really curious where we uh, and plus we go. She maybe
2: she felt like frustrated. Like, she's been taking care of these girls, and it was really tight with them. And now they work with the father, and now he's they're on a show with him. Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious because even in the reunion trailer, you know, Kyle seems to be being hit with questions, and I know it's edited together, but it seems like she ha- is having difficulty because Kyle doesn't really. She's she's very protective of herself.
2: She's anxiety. I think that she, like, listen, anybody going through a reality show reunion would probably be shitting their pants. But I think if you're somebody who has anxiety, that could be a whole other ballgame. Yeah.
1: I'm curious about that. So, uh, also, Real Housewives of Miami finale is tonight. (gasps) I think you've watched that. You said, Gertie has a very
2: powerful scene tonight. Is that true? They should get an Emmy for it. They should get an Emmy for it because she's in preparation for chemo. She has to, Go into this uh, into her closet, and she sits there, and she cuts off her braids, and then her husband shaves the you know the rest of the hair off, and she's she's like I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna be fine, it's gonna be no problem, and then she starts to cut the braids off, and she's like overwhelmed by sadness, and then he is just the most loving husband, and the way he just takes over, and he's like it's gonna be fine, it's yeah. like heart wrenching, and it deserves an Emmy.
1: Okay. You know, it's so funny. I I was, I saw that was coming up and it really reminded, I got it. Maybe it was about a year ago when my mom was doing the chemo and all that stuff and her hair was falling out. And finally Mm. she had this lady come over and uh, one of her friends to, you know, shave all of her hair off. And I was there with her. My dad was uh, somewhere and I was there and I was expecting this very emotional scene very emotional scene and my mom was just so like whatever about it the whole way through I was the one that was having to leave the room to like get emotional and I still have like hair from that day oh, do um, you? but I remember yeah oh yeah oh, completely but I remember expecting it to be a thing and it wasn't and for me I thought I was gonna be the strong one and I was the mess that had to go run and hide you know
0: yeah
2: well, then yeah. you even even more gratitude for, for Russell. What I mean, what a couple. Yeah. And to know that they've so, been together since high school is just, you know, she said to me, I interviewed her and she said at that point, which was like three weeks ago or something, she had already had at that point received 350 uh, DMs from people that went ahead and got um, a mammogram and found out that they had oh. to go back to the doctor. So that's, to, uh, at to date then as of three weeks ago it was like she had saved 350 people. God, can you see that's sometimes like, sometimes this stuff can do good. It can make us laugh. It can I make us I think it does all the can time do, because yeah. even with Kyle, I mean, I'm sure she's getting messages and her DMS that are like, I'm really struggling in my marriage right now. And I don't know how to communicate how I'm feeling. And I felt seen that moment. Like I think that they do receive a lot of DMS and listen at a high level. I'm grateful for all these shows because I think it's very unusual for so many of these stories to be told in scripted form. And I think it's enormously helpful for other women in particular to to watch these shows and to feel like there's an outlet for their stories, whether it's postpartum or cancer or marital problems, raising children, feeling the weight of um, like a, a system set up that does everything to, to work against women. I mean, yeah, it's really a a very powerful storytelling form. And I'm like, I, I may get frustrated with some of the the cast members, but at the end they've chosen to like crack themselves up and we're all watching and judging. And I think it takes an enormous amount of strength to, to, to be able to do that, to put your life (sighs) out there.
1: Well, but it, it completely 100% agree, but also it, it lives in this bizarre, uh, bizarro world as well, where you're comparing Gertie and Russell to somebody like Larza and Marcus, you know, and you're like, in what, what reality yeah. do we compare Larza and Marcus to Gertie and Russell, who you can tell is a very real relationship. And Larza, I'm not saying it's not a real relationship with Marcus, but it's a very different type of relationship that, not a lot of people can relate to. And it, it's different. I mean, do you see, I mean, in the, in the finale, do they, do they deal well, we with I, and Marcus at all?
2: Uh, a little bit, but you kind of get the sense that she just so badly wants to make it work. And she's sometimes unwilling to really have hard conversation. Like it's a hard conversation to go. Listen, um, the reality is my ex-husband is still you know, fighting with your father. They've got a lot of issues to work through, and it is probably very awkward for your father that I'm dating you. I, I just get the sense she does everything to move the plates around to just maintain her happiness, and I think that is a relatable story. But only I if thought, she communicates
1: that, Kate. But we, I the don't, audience, I have to read into that. Yeah,
2: I don't know why she's – I always just – I really w- wish I could really understand her better. And then there's an interesting scene with Lisa and her mother and her aunt and they kind of show up.
1: Lisa Hoxstein's
2: mother? Lost Lisa Hoxstein's mom. Wow. And they talk about how uncomfortable Lisa's mom has felt over the years to come visit. And how they've kind of – Lisa's gone to Canada to visit, but they didn't feel comfortable to come to Florida because Lisa's husband, Lenny, and his mother, according to them, felt like um, they, tr- they treated Lisa's family like they were essentially like trash like wouldn't look at them in the eye. You know, um, Lisa's mom says at the wedding, Lisa's wedding to Lenny, that Lenny and his, Lenny's mother said, you must refer to me as Mrs. Hoxstein and <laughs> Professor Hoxstein. So, but I think that's very relatable too, is like when you get married to somebody and you have wildly different personalities. And if somebody is from a higher class how, well, Kate, how that that's what happens kind of also when out. you
1: marry somebody that treats you like property.
2: Yes, but then I also wonder, like, what is I, this? Is what's missing for me? And I hope they explore this more. Is like Lisa says, she left home at sixteen, and then she got in a relationship with someone who, with whom she lived with, and like her value was really set around how that man treated her and what he thought of her. And then again at eighteen, and then she eventually meets Lenny, and she said there alludes to something going on with her dad. Like what? happened, that she always feels like she has to have a man. And then th- I'm also surprised at how long it's taken her to see that she essentially was treated from the beginning like property. Like she's still living in that space where it's like, wait, but there was like this love story at some point. And uh, maybe that's a coping mechanism, but I think a lot of people probably relate to that well- in their divorces. Like, was it always this horrible or was there ever a time it was great?
1: Well, that's, I mean, Sandoval trying to say, I'm going to, I'm saving myself for Raquel. I want to make that work. You know, when I'm in the mm-hmm. midst of all of this insanity, but also like Lisa, uh, immediately going to, uh, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name who is helping her Jody, who, Lisa, Jody, Lisa with Jody. And this Jody is having to hear daily about everything with Linny. I mean, that's a wild thing to start a relationship when you haven't even Financially, finish the other one,
2: but it all seems to work out for her in the end because Lenny's going to (laughs) be building this like great house. I worry about her kids. And hear me out. A layer of this show that they haven't kind of covered is how like the mother-child relationship and there was a very disturbing scene for me this season when Lisa's kids are eating pizza.
1: I know. And she said, stop with the pizza. And she's like, stop with the
2: pizza. This is a cheat day. And maybe it's a byproduct of feeling, wanting to control her life because of the chaos of the divorce. But that was unsettling to me. And I hope that they bring that up at the reunion. I hope that she watched that back and felt like I'm way I'm being way too hard on my kids but also how we think of ourselves. And I have to say, I have no idea what it's like to be on television like they are. It's, it, it upsets me how much they change their faces because of the pressure that comes with being on the show. Like you need to get your face done. You should get veneers to, to, it's like the audience expects them to always be the age that they join the show. And it's totally unfair.
1: Well, it's like their psyches are frozen at the age when they join the show and their Truly. bodies and faces. Yeah. Well, think about it. if you watch the first season of Beverly Hills or OC, I remember thinking, wow, these ladies are really done up. And it's nothing compared nothing. to what it is now. I mean, it's, it's apples We're and We're conditioned
2: oranges. to see a woman who completely has a facial transformation. It's so upsetting.
1: Um finally uh you have an amazing uh newsletter a Substack I believe that you can sign up for where Kate will email you all of the shows to watch for the next week. I uh, love this newsletter. I adore it. I think it's perfect. Um how do we sign up for that newsletter? I'll put it in the uh, show notes as well folks, but you know how do we how do we get uh, signed up for that?
2: So you just go to katecasey.substack.com and every it's really I send it out on Sunday nights to be quite honest and it just Tells you what to. I curate a list for you of what to watch. Different networks, different genres of what to watch each week, so you don't miss anything. And then when you sign up for it, you can also get access to archive lists, so you can look back like a month ago. And there's maybe a reality show or a documentary that you missed. So I, I'm just trying to relieve the stress that people get when they finally sit down at the end of the day and they're like, "What's what's out there?" And I do feel like. In the end, the more you watch, despite what people are going to tell you out in the real world, I don't have time to watch or like, how, why would you watch all, all of that? I feel like the more you watch and the more you dig deep into different people's stories, it gives you enormous amounts of conversation. Like yeah. you could go to a dinner party and go, Hey, did you watch this? Oh, what do you think God, of this? It's the it best. I mean,
1: listen, we, uh, you had, uh, when we talked uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, when I was on your show. You were talking about the We Are the World documentary. Uh, <gasps> Did you the, watch it, The Greatest Night in Pop? Loved, like it, it? Loved, it, yeah. loved it. Loved it. Loved Re- it. Loved it. You know, was able to recommend it to my audience. And, it, you know, I've had many conversations with people, not even outside of this show, about that because it just really hit every kind of quadrant of what I like. And it wasn't a reality <laughs> show, it was it a documentary. Would. But also, Love is Blind, you know, this week, you guys, we're now up to episode nine. And I think this is the best season of Love is Blind, season six that I've seen Isn't since the bananas? beginning season. Really, really good. Yeah. And, uh, like a, like a, it's like a horror film. Um, what we have a Wendy <laughs> Williams, two part docu series coming That's out this right. week. Where is Wendy Williams? Is that what it's called on lifetime? Where's Wendy
2: Williams? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Have you seen it already?
2: No. Mm-mm.
1: I'm scared to watch I'm it. I'm going to watch it too.
2: Did you watch that? I feel like I'm just going to be upsetting.
1: Did you watch that Selena,
2: uh, documentary? I the like same reason. I'm so glad you said that. I, no, I find I, it, I, I,
1: I had to turn it off halfway through the first episode because I thought this is bullshit. Like it is told from uh, the lady who murdered Selena. You know, they have prison interviews with her and her family. It's it's, you know, throwing suspicion on what she did.
2: Oh, oh on, on what? Uh, w- the the woman, Saldivar, the did woman, she? Yeah, She's Saldivar. saying that she didn't sh- shoot the she's gun? She's saying,
1: well, she's saying she did, but it was a First off, it was an accident, but also she was covering for, well, first off, it takes forever to even get to get the to point the in this you know, And there is no like, um, you Yolanda know. Yolanda Saldivar, that's
2: her name. Well, yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: There's no consenting voices in there, like dissenting voices mm. of like, actually, this is what happened. so it cast this, this suspicion of like, this family has been holding on to the the real real truth, but it takes forever to even get to the, like, maybe Selena was having an affair that uh, Yolanda was helping cover up, maybe. But at the end of the day, the lady shot Selena. And I just find sometimes frustrating when the streaming networks, they did this with uh, Peacock, with um, who's the lady that killed her daughter that got off?
2: Oh, Casey Anthony.
1: Casey, Anthony, don't come at me if you believe she's innocent, you guys, but I I sometimes find it so ridiculous that I'm like, Mm -hmm. we're giving this airtime, but we're not even doing it in a proper documentary form where you give voice
2: to somebody who was a a horrible person. Yeah,
1: I I wouldn't recommend that. But uh, what else Mm -hmm. is coming up that you would recommend?
2: Um, there's been a couple great docs, true crime docs, um, lover stalker killer on Netflix. Oh, I saw that.
1: I saw that. That
2: was good. The truth about Jim on HBO Max. I have seen that. Okay. Basically there's this family and the step grandfather was a horrible predator and now they've reason to believe he was a serial killer. Um, there's one that came out on Netflix today called, can I tell you a secret? And it's about like a cyber stalker. Okay, I'm in. Um, and there's one, the Octopus Murders, that comes out next week on Netflix. Which is I did read be a good about one. that.
1: I'm excited to see that. Um, the Murder Two Stalker, good Sports killer. Docs,
2: too. Two good sports. No Dynasty and the New England Patriots was on that last week, and that's still I do want to watch that. That you're going to really like that one. Yeah. Um, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, is on Amazon uh, Freebie or, or excuse me Prime. Um, and then there's one about Lionel Messi, which begins this week on Friday. On Apple Apple TV Plus is really good ones. And Apple TV Plus is going to have a good one that you're going to like about Christopher Reeve.
1: Oh, that, that one that just went to Sundance. And yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's so funny. Apple TV, we were watching it last night and they were the screen was just on and it was showing all of Apple TV's projects. And it's because I, well, I was like, I have not heard about any of these shows and I consider myself up on things and yeah. they'll be like. For all mankind, the space, like all of these shows where I'm like, wait, what, what is yeah. an Apple TV is literally, they have the weirdest plan where they're like, Hey, try to come find us. We have great stuff, but I, we dare you to find us.
2: Yeah. Maybe that's the, um, maybe, maybe that's a good branding tool. I don't know. But with the murder they have stalker good stuff.
1: killer. What was it? The murder stalker Lover killer, the
2: stalker killer stalker.
1: really an amazing story. The only thing was interesting <laughs> was that they made the guy do his own reenactments.
2: Well, you know what she, I, asked, I interviewed the director and they said sometimes it's actually oh you're going to I actually thought of you when they said this that sometimes it's actually easier to use non-actors because they listen. <laughs> yeah, like the actors are like, "Okay, but like wouldn't he kind of walk in like this way? Yeah, or he yeah, wouldn't yeah. be wearing this. Would he?" Yeah. But Isn't I just funny? thought how
1: how potentially not I didn't humiliating like that but guy. how funny but that got yeah, but like, it's just so funny. It's like he's having to tell his like horrific story. And then it's like, hey, could you do the reenactment where you pick up the phone and you're getting like stalked? Like, I thought yeah. that was like, this is so bizarre. Very cool. Wait, Tom did you watch
2: Cyber Sleuth: The Idaho Murders on Paramount Plus?
1: No. Okay. But, uh, oh, well, Brian Kohlberger stuff?
2: Yeah, but basically, they interview all the project was developed when they, it was like the, 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 like the top of Netflix or not, like TikTok, excuse me, COVID time. They're like, let's explore all these people that are making like a huge name for themselves as TikTok true crime people. Okay. But then when they interview them, it's like somebody with four teeth who's like a meth head. <laughs> and you're like, I cannot believe they have like 2.4 million followers and they have no background in law enforcement and they're actually hindering. Now, then now you're learning now that you're it's hind- actually you're hindering, hindering an investigation. The, the investigation, an open investigation. They're good TikTok's for like closed wild, wild cases, wild west, man. but not for open investigations. Well,
1: KKC, Casey, you are incredible as always. Thank
2: the you. Thing
1: though, I want everybody to go to though. I want everybody to go to this live show. Um, yes. I think you are going to have an amazing time. She's going to drink with you. This she's going to get shit you know canned wasted on stage.
2: They Stop said drinking. no. They, they wow. said that they almost sold out of wine that night that I last time I was there. And I go, well, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense.
1: So Reality Life with Kate Casey live show, Irvine Improv, February 28th, 8 p.m. You can get your tickets at the Irvine Improv website, which I'll put on the show notes as well. I'll also put it in my stories. You need to go check this out. We got a support, but Kate's awesome. So it's not really supporting when something's awesome. And uh, yeah, go follow her, go subscribe to the podcast. I know there is so many things out there for you guys to listen to. So thanks for listening to both of us or one thank of you, us yeah. or either really truly thank you uh, because Kate is the first podcast i was on of hers was the season premiere of the first season of welcome to plathville um (laughs) six years ago i I was asked to watch this crazy show called welcome to plathville and i did that that was the first time i talked to you all those years ago so
2: thank you you're
1: one of the reasons i do way, we've got to
2: book your saturday series episode
1: oh anytime anytime yeah uh, but uh okay kate casey the amazing kate casey thank you so much ryan love you love you Was that okay? So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge morales Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at so bad it's good with at gmail.com and follow the show at So Bad It's Ryan Bailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.